Hi, everybody. My wife's just checking. This is working. Making we sure are we're live. going live via StreamYard. And tonight's chat, you guys, if you are planning to race at altitude, in humidity, or in extreme conditions, extreme heat, this is the live chat for you because we are going to cover not only how to train in it, but how to prepare to race in it, all the best biohacks we can give you to uh, with results that obviously Siri has had amazing results to prove this, but we have 50 years combined experience in the sport. I'm so grateful to have my amazing wife here, oh, Siri Lindley. Um, I need to introduce her because she is a two-time world champion. She won 13 World Cups, has coached athletes to multiple world championships and, and Olympic medals. And the reason why we have her tonight is because she trained Marinda Carfrey and many other athletes, but really to a four-time world championship title in Hawaii. Three-time in Hawaii. Three times and 70.3, was it? Yes. And Leander Cape also, who won 70.3 and Hawaii. And both in, obviously, extreme humidity. Kona is so hot and so humid. And we have so many questions on how to prepare and race in the heat and in the humidity. So, Siri, we're going to ask you on a macro scale first. Give us your biggest tips because, firstly, welcome, my amazing wife. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you, Becky. And I have to say, out of all the athletes I've coached, I think the one athlete that nailed her nutrition, her hydration, every single Ironman race was you. You always, I truly believe that you um, had the secret formula. So you guys, you are in great hands here with my amazing wife who won six iron distance races and God knows how many uh, 70.3 races but you always were able to put together the perfect formula for your hydration and fueling, which, so guys, listen in, because she always got it right. And I was always so proud of you for that. I, I, I must admit, I feel like I struggled a little bit in the extreme conditions. And there's really no excuse other than I feel like muscle mass, and we can talk about that later. But some people just handle the heat better. Being Aussie, I should be able to handle it. But I always had trouble, a little bit of trouble um, with my uh, regulating my temperature, my core body temperature. And I think from passing out a couple of times in the heat, I think I struggled then after that. We don't want this to happen to you. So, Siri, let's do first up. I mean, you train, you, we have 50, as we said, 50 years combined experience. And you've trained Rini. I think she's a perfect, she epitomizes how to race in the heat. And I've got knows how she did it because not everyone can do what she did not many actually not many at all what on a macro scale in training are your big tips on how let's do heat and humidity first how you prepared her and really it was a big deal like the a race was always kona how did you prepare her for that living in colorado when it's freaking winter and freezing time well first of all and a lot of people are gonna foo-foo this but you know, if you in your mind tell yourself, I'm terrible in the heat, you're going to be terrible in the heat. So whatever you believe about yourself, you will prove is correct on race day. So um, honestly, one of the first things is saying you're amazing in the heat. You are amazing in the heat. You handle the heat so well. And it's literally every single day affirming that, yeah, I love the heat. The hotter it is, the better I perform. I love the the hotter it is, the tougher I am. And this sounds silly, but truly it is that that those affirmations and what you believe about how you perform in the heat will determine how you do do in the heat. But the small things, you know, you've got to practice what you're going to experience. And yes, we were fortunate sometimes to be able to go away to really hot places to mm-hmm. train. Mm-hmm. I had a training camp in 
Borrego Springs, California, where it was 110 degrees every single day, super dry, not humid, but super dry. Um, and that basically was more brutal than Kona could ever be or Clearwater, Florida. Borrego could ever Springs be. Got, and guys, it was really isolated. I would not it was, train there. Rini hated it. Rini hated it. My other athletes hated she it. She love hated but it. What it what it did is it made Kona feel like a relief to what she experienced in Borrego Springs. Mm -hmm. We didn't do that every year, though. So that's not the only way to do it because some of you can't travel somewhere hot mm -hmm. to train. So what, okay, we what then, do you recommend then? So what I recommend here we are in Boulder, Colorado, is I would often put everybody in my downstairs our downstairs. I remember. Basement on Valhalla it's Drive. hot and sweaty in there. And no fans, no air conditioners. We actually would put on the heaters mm -hmm. in the summer. We would close all the windows, close all the doors. It got, there were like 10 bodies in there and it got so incredibly hot It was probably and humid. close to 80, 90 degrees in there, right? 80 to 90, but and the biggest thing with all the sweating humans Humidity. was that the humidity was sky high and siri the reason for the no fans and we don't and we also have to talk about how don't often, do this every day yeah. yeah we have to talk about how often we did this because if you do it every day you're not going to recover and you're not mm -hmm. going to get the quality workouts but i remember the no fan thing was really hard for me because in hawaii it is freaking stinking hot but it is actually harder to watch than it is to race because when you're moving you get the air in your face and the wind in your face and it helps in the run and the bike but when you're standing there watching cone it's so hot i feel it's almost not easy to race but doesn't feel quite as hot but you simulated it so well with that. And I remember training. I remember you being upset with me. I didn't and like saying, it. I wanted the fan. At least with the fan, I think make it be... realistic. But again, you guys, I wanted to make it feel harder than anything they were going to experience on racing. If you take yourself to conditions and training, not every day, not every day, once in a while, mm -hmm. where it is way harder than anything you'll experience on race day, then race day is kind of like, oh, it's not that bad. So I used to set you guys up for that a lot. You didn't mm -hmm. like it. You wanted didn't, the fan. You wanted like it, it to be realistic. I'm not good with heat. But I think that's, it's like doing racing on a hilly course. Mm -hmm. Those of you racing world champs at St. George, you know, you want to every once in a while, go find a hill that is worse than any hill you will have to run up in St. George, any hill you will have to bike up in St. George. If you don't have that in your physical vicinity, do it on the mimic trainer. that on the trainer and make it so much harder than anything you will experience on race day. And then it will feel not as bad as you're imagining in your mind. So my one hack was the, and how often? Because people are going to be doing this every day. They're going to kill themselves. So once a week, once um, a week, and then watch session. Because I, I know that we would sometimes do a quality session in there. And guys, don't look at your freaking numbers when it's twenty degrees hotter. They're not going to be what they were mm -hmm. because your heart rate's going to be a lot higher and your power's going to be lower. So just forget that. That's why perceived effort's so good. But we do sometimes we do the longer bike on there. Sometimes the hard bikes. Can you explain if someone I, wants to choose, say one workout a week for run and bike? Which what do you recommend? I would do your long brick. Not necessarily your Every aerobic week. brick, right. but I would do what I would have you all do. We do like anywhere from three to four hours. Now, take, keep in this is Ironman. This is Ironman, and it's my professional athletes. Okay. But we would do like a three to four hour pretty hard turbo. I mean, we're doing race pace efforts, we're doing some max efforts with lots of rest, and then we're doing a treadmill run off the bike. So this was like anywhere from a three to five hour session 
in this heat. And the key things were number one, no complaining. Although my wife, every once in a oh, while, oh come on, you give back to me. Kidding, I'm terrible. kidding. She was amazing. I'm being. I think when I gave you, I've been doing yeah. for seven, eight you years. Were, so give me a break. She was the uh, one of the toughest ones that I've ever coached in my life. To be perfectly honest, um, no complaining. Number two, hydration and nutrition were the number one focus because in your hot race whether it be Kona or wherever it is, if you don't nail your nutrition and hydration and salt, mm -hmm. no matter how fit you are, you're not going to have the day you hope for. So top three things, attitude, nutrition and hydration. Number three, putting in the effort, but having no numbers, not looking at your power, not looking at your heart rate, just putting in the effort going for it. And this was a hard, hard day, but my athletes loved it because they knew that in doing this once a week, like anything that race day brings them, they're ready for it because they've yeah. experienced before. It's not going to be a monster they've never seen before. It's a monster that they have slayed over and over again in training over the last however many weeks. Yeah, and swimming, obviously, you can do it in a hot, humid pool. So, and um, Kona's not wetsuit, but that would be good training too. But hot, humid pool, the swim's not so bad. Like, it's quite cool. It's when you get onto the bike mm. and especially the run. Okay, so what else, Siri, in training on a macro scale did you do? Um, I know you had people, and Brett used to do this with us. He would make us wear three jumpers. It's a little extreme. And, like, two pairs of tracksuit pants. Um, what about when they're running outside? Did you go to that extreme with their runs outside? Like anything else you can think of yeah, in training? Definitely. I think wearing, you know, the long spandex pants and the long sleeve shirts, kind of how I have to live now when I go out for <laughs> yeah. 100 degree days, you know, I have to cover my skin. I have yeah. long shirts, long pants covering up the neck. And yeah, I mean, doing that once a week as well. And really, you know, the things that you have to manage in that is number one, you're going to be super uncomfortable. Number two, you've got to be aware of bringing, you know, a flask with you so that you're staying hydrated. Number three, you've got to manage your thoughts mm -hmm. and the words that you're saying to yourself and how you're responding in every single moment. Because if you spend that hour or whatever it is saying, oh, this is so awful and oh, this hurts so bad and oh, this is why is Siri making me do this? All that's doing is training how you're going to respond on race day. And if that's the kind of attitude and the self-talk that you have on race day, racing in those conditions, you are not going to have a good race. Um, but Beck, you, you know, epitomized um, doing things right from your own training. I remember you telling me because you didn't have, you know, before you came to me and my squad, the things that you are doing with the sauna training in the sauna yeah, my first I'd love world champs as a junior 1996 it was cleveland ohio and it was summer and it was scorching hot and i thought my crazy ukraine coach who's now passed on he was amazing um he used to make me sit in the sauna and i have my the back of my bike in the sauna with the door open it was so hot and humid i thought he was insane but it actually was massively massive for acclimation and i will share a podcast you guys because it's a ben greenfield one actually he talks about, and this sounds crazy, but if you can get to a steam room or sauna and just do 15 to 20 minutes a day, if you cannot get the heat and humidity in your training room, you should do it because it does help. Your body will adapt and acclimate if you can just sit in it. It sounds crazy. Sit in a sauna or a steam room for 15, 20 minutes once a week. That will cause all of the, I guess, necessary effects that you need for you to adapt to that humidity and heat.
Yeah. yeah. And then what yeah. about for you, Beck, mindset going into a hot mm. race? What kinds of things would you say to yourself uh, before the race start? I would just know that I was prepared. Um, I would think about all the things I have done. Um, that, and we should t- actually talk about, because we I want to get into this because I know you don't have that long. I want to talk about race day, Siri, because there is so, you guys, we've talked about preparing, but you've got to be over-prepared. And so race day, too, it's so important. There's so many things we can give you from our years of experience. I know there's some expert nutritionists out there that can go deeper into the nutrition side and the salt side and nothing beats experience, life experience. Like we have both raced. Siri's blacked out as well in, in extreme because she yeah. collapsed in, was it your last race you should collapse? She collapsed in mm-hmm. races before yeah. I've collapsed. I've done it all wrong. We've made the mistakes, but there's nothing better than personal experience and real life experience. And, you know, you can go to the top nutritionists and experts, but unless they've been there and done that, it's really, really hard for them to understand these extremes, especially something like Kona, Texas, um, and then altitude races like Boulder. We'll get into altitude too. But race day, Siri, like there were some amazing tips you used to give me. One of them I remember my favourite was wearing the hat with the, and I thought it was silly at first, but it worked. And I got six that year was the flap on the back. What else? Race day. Let's go through race day stuff because Definitely. this is so important. You guys know the hats. Again, what I wear now after my transplant, those hats that have the long flap that covers your neck. Mm-hmm. And when you run through an aid station and you pour you know, a cup of water over your hat, it then soaks a hat and your neck stays cool back here. Also, you can have you know a headband or ice under the hat, ice yeah. in your bra if you're a yeah. woman, ice in your if you have a tight uh, uniform for a guy, but every single aid station doing something that's going to cool you off. But yes, yeah. that hat, the, hat. the flap. And you know what? I know you guys think, well, Jan Fernando doesn't wear it. And Daniel Arif doesn't wear that. And Lucy Charles, it's like, but you guys, they are so freaking fit and so acclimated and so lean and so fast and so cardiovascularly fit that we're not all at that level. And some of us with bigger muscle mass like me, you think about those lean, lean bodies, they can get away with it. As you start to get, if you've got a bigger, stronger muscle mass and you just aren't as conditioned as them, it's going to affect you way more. And people carrying a little bit more weight, the heat is going to affect you way more. So don't think, oh, they don't wear it, so we shouldn't. Some of the guys do. You've seen, I've seen some of the top runners will wear one with the at least the hat and they put ice under their hat. Mm-hmm. They have the flat Chrissy Wellington secret. And we asked her why she had such a long ponytail that would be like annoyingly getting in her way. And her secret was that the long ponytail, when it was wet, this is no lie, you can ask her. When it was wet and she poured water on her head, it acted like a coolant around her neck. Yeah, and you amazing. can buy the neck things, guys. You can shove it down your bra, ice down your bra. Um, you can um, not not put it under your armpits. But holding ice, you lose heat from your head and your hands the most. So holding ice in your hands is a massive tip. Grab it, grab it all over you, and then hold it in your hands. Put it in your bra. Put it in your pants. Yeah. Um, do what you can. Such great tips, Beck. I mean, yeah. amazing, amazing tips, you guys. May seem simple, but they're huge. I remember um, one of the most incredible athletes I've ever coached, Jody Swallow from the UK. Um, she had a number of, of times at Kona where she was having an amazing race, was up near the front mm-hmm. and ended up having heat issues, you know, halfway through the run. And she was like me, more of a solid, a muscular athlete. And we do tend to struggle a little more than the leaner, tinier ones. But here's heat. my point mm-hmm. is I, I said to her, I said, well, how, how much salt? do you use in races? She says, Oh, I've never used salt ever. And I thought, Oh my God, well, no wonder you're struggling. Salt, you guys, as a supplement on race day is so incredibly important. So what we did leading into Kona, I forget what year it was, but the week 
Well, actually, in the months leading, we had a couple long training days where she practiced using the salt tablets because Leanda Cave, when she won Ironman World Champs in 2013, she was taking, and I'm not going to, because I should have looked up the number before, but it, it was That's like where the experts two come salt we, tablets every hour or yeah. something like that. Sounds like a lot, but I'm you're not doing it every day. You're not doing it every day of your life. This is race day. And she just handled that race so beautifully. So and if you want advice on experts with the salt and stuff, F2C, um, Linda McMurray, uh, who runs F2C for our athletes, you can get specific tips. I think it's around 500 uh, mil milligrams, but let's not harp on that. Yeah, that's I'm not, not going to give an exact number. We can go deeper on that another time. But anyway, so Jody Swallow, um, in the months leading up, we would do our long, hard brick days, and she would um, experiment with the salt, and she handled that beautifully. We got to Kona the week of the race. She was taking, you know, a certain number of salt tablets each day leading and not a lot. And then race day, we had a plan. You're going to take this number of salt tablets every single hour. She had the most extraordinary race, ended up off the bike where she always was at the front. Mm -hmm. um, halfway through the run, she's still up there at the front and she ended the race in fourth place, her best finish at the Ironman world championships ever. Yep. Did it have to do with her being a better swimmer, biker and runner than she ever had been before? She, no, she managed. The she conditions. just managed the heat. She mm -hmm. knew that in doing all the little things, right. The hydration, the electrolyte and the <gasps> salt that she could lay out the effort. She knew she needed to, to come in the top five on that. Day. I just, amazing and it really was because she had really struggled there every year i think that was the year i'm not 100 sure siri that you had six athletes racing kona who did you have i had i think it was 13 um, i think it was 13 2013 oh my goodness i you think had, i had jody swallow amanda stevens amanda stevens mary beth ellis leanda cave, leanda cave you Me, and marinda carfrey and really wow and and we yeah, all got top I think that, 16. I think that I think was, we all I'm got not sure though. I can't too. remember if that was the exact group. Mm -hmm. I know Yvonne Van Blurken was there one of the years. Oh yeah, Van might have been. Everyone was top 15. We had three in the top 10. We had an 11th and a 13th, I believe. So, um, but guys, here's the thing. Yes, you want to be fit. Anybody who's unfit and goes into a race like, like Ironman Hawaii, like is going to struggle, mm -hmm. but do the work, get yourself fit. No, tell yourself, I'm going to manage the heat perfectly. Why? Not just because, oh, I just managed to heat perfectly without doing anything, because I will be totally focused on how I hydrate, the electrolytes I take in, and the salt that I take in every single hour. So you will know that your fitness will be there for you if you do all the little things right. So it's not lying to yourself and pretending you're great in the heat when you're not. It's knowing that I actually have a strategy yeah, now something. that I know not only works for me, but has worked for so many others. You nail that strategy. You're going to be amazing in the heat. Yep. And I would, for our guys in our squad that get access to Glenda McMurray, um, yes. for F2C, I would talk to her about personal needs because everybody's different, right? Um, but, Siri, one thing I also thought of that I think is so important, and you're not going to be a big advocate for this because of what you've been through with your transplant. She's really prone to getting skin cancer. I don't recommend anyone to be getting burnt, but... I do remember in races where I was caking on the sunscreen, really uh, thick zinc yeah. and legs and arms. So, and Brett Sutton said to me, your skin can't breathe. You lose heat from the pores. You're covering it up with sunscreen. You're not wearing sunscreen. I was like, you're crazy. 
and I used the spray on. It's like an oil type, but it's very thin. I used the spray because I at least got it on. I put zinc on my nose where I knew it was really dangerous to get burnt. Um, I may have put a little here, but the arms and the legs, you guys, you see guys running around and they're the ones that overheat. I'm sorry. And a lot of them are Brits because they've got pale skin, but they, they have caked on sunscreen and their pores cannot breathe. And that holds the heat in. I'm not saying get burnt and don't wear sunscreen, but guys find one that breathes because you have to lose mm. the heat from your pores. It's so important. It made a massive difference to me overheating. And here's the thing, Beck. Get yes, one yes day I again. hate that that happens, but she is absolutely right. You guys. Every race where I didn't handle the heat well, I had really loaded a lot of sunscreen on. Now, is it smart to not wear sunscreen? One day is not no. going to do a lot. But I would say for if one it's key your race, key race, yeah. I think that you know, like Beck says, find a really light sunscreen. Maybe mm -hmm. not the kind you would typically wear. Mm -hmm. And again, this Think is just if, if you yeah. are super competitive. Mm -hmm. and you want to have your best possible race in hot and humid conditions. Mm -hmm. This is just fact. Mm -hmm. I hate that it's a fact. I hate that sunscreen actually prevents you from being able to, you know, have your skin breathe properly. Mm -hmm. But hey, if anyone out there true. has one that they recommend that the pores yeah. can actually breathe. I know the spray on stuff um, isn't as good, but I believe that's a little better. If you guys are listening and you have something, please put it in there because there's got to be one that's designed for that. I would say zinc your nose and ears. They get really burnt. I used to do my chest, but, and it's horrible. I don't recommend getting burnt, but anyone has any tips on that, put it up there. Um, so I so, have a tip on okay, that. Okay. What is it? I think, you know, okay. So I'm going to bring up a little People, story. Sleeves. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. Beck and I were in Florida. It was soon after my transplant. I was wearing a big, really light, really light white shirt and I got overheated because I just had a bone marrow transplant and I'm running a year later but Beck took took my shirt ran to the ocean dunked my shirt in the ocean it was yeah. so sweet of She's you so really sweet. came Poor back thing. put that wet shirt on me and I thought oh my god I felt so cool not cool mm -hmm. looking but so <laughs> she cool was not cool looking on just, just yeah I know. Kidding. I love but, it. So if you get a really light, really light, um, white, long sleeve shirt, thin like as I wear thin, them, thin like as really can be, thin, even a meshy thing could. Quite I quite actually work. think that it's super smart. I know it doesn't look Rico Suave. It doesn't look great. But you pour water on yourself at every aid station. It will keep you cool. It's really. It smart. will keep you cool. So it's mm -hmm. actually quite mm -hmm. brilliant. Um, doesn't fit the look that everybody likes to have on race day, but that day proved to me. And even yesterday, we went and did a run up in the mountains. We lay in the creek afterwards. Oh, our legs, such and a our hot legs day. were so swollen, weren't they? And then afterwards, it was such so... a hot day. But I kept my shirt on that was wet, and I was out there for like hours, and I didn't even Stay feel cool. hot. It's really so smart. I think that that's another. Yeah, if you don't care about looking sexy, which a lot of us don't. Um, Get the really thin shirt. We'll see yeah. if we can find one we recommend. I like the brand that your your friend does ah, for you. Amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've talked. I think we've covered most of what we need to with that. Um, not going into massive details on nutrition. We can do that more. But Siri, altitude. You're the freaking queen. I'm the mm. exercise science background person, but Siri has seems to. She's got it down pat. And when we talk about altitude and people coming to Boulder to race from sea level, I do worry a little because they worry. I worry about when do they come in? Can they acclimatize? Do they, what time do they come in? When should they come and travel? So there's a lot of people racing Boulder and asking questions about that. 
let's go into altitude and people coming from sea level like what's your recommendation first in training like to adapt in training because we had a lot of athletes we still do coming in from sea level to altitude to train mm-hmm. here like what are your tips first if they're coming to prepare for a racing training and then race state what's I think if you're coming to race at altitude, I would, if the race is Sunday morning, I would come in Friday night. I mean, I know that's like, whoa, that's not enough time to see the course and this and that. Mm-hmm. Come in Friday night, drive the course on Saturday, race on Sunday. You will feel the best out of any other alternative. Unless you come in, say, two and a half weeks mm-hmm. before the race and you have the... um ability to do that, that could be great too, because you, you need time to acclimate before you can go really hard. So when my athletes come into town, they usually take two weeks of building up to, um, really training hard at altitude. And the way we do that, we can do speed. We can do speed from 15 seconds to a minute, like super fast, super hard, but like triple the rest. Mm -hmm. Because if you come into altitude and you go hard, 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 you feel great for maybe a couple of days and then crash, you crash and you crash hard. (laughs) So if you're coming to train at altitude or race at altitude, come at least two and a half weeks in advance. So you're able to do, actually, it's actually quite brilliant sometimes. If they can't do that. If they can't do that. No, but this is, if you could, Mm -hmm. it's quite brilliant because when you come to altitude in order to acclimate properly you are doing a lot of speed with a ton of rest so those of you that maybe need a little extra speed it actually could work out well for you most people can't come spend three weeks at altitude so Mm -hmm. come in friday night i mean it saturday drive the course do little bits of training with some short little fast bursts with tons of rest Race day, you can go as hard as you need and you'll crush it. Get rid of the heart rate monitor, though, guys. Get rid of the heart rate monitor. I'm telling you right now, your heart rate will be almost as high as it would be racing in 20 degrees hotter here at altitude. We're we're at a mile high, so it's going to be at 10, maybe even 20 beats higher. And then that's what we say, don't watch the heart rate. In heat conditions, in like anything above 80, 85, and you've been training or 90, and you've been training at 70, it's going to be 10, yeah. at least 10 beats higher. So don't wear, if, if you are wearing it, just be very aware of that. Is what and I'm the saying. biggest thing of all, as you huff and puff, it doesn't mean you're unfit. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean you're sick. It means that you're racing at altitude. And guess what? You never stop huffing and puffing at altitude. <laughs> That's what it's like here. So the biggest thing is not telling yourself stories that because you're huffing and puffing, it's a bad day or not fit or something's wrong with you. You're huffing and puffing because you're at altitude, period. So get comfortable with it and be okay with it and know that it's just a part of the game and there's nothing wrong. You don't have to back off. This is just racing at altitude. Unless you're like us who live here, which I don't notice it anymore and not even when I go away, but... I have a really big tip and Garrett Rock, who has worked with us with ABT blood testing. And that's, mm-hmm. I, we get my uh, blood test once, uh, once a year, just to check all my numbers. Um, that's how she found I out. I get it which, like 12 times a year. Yeah. She <laughs> <laughs> says she found out about her hip, but um, when she's getting a hip blood test, but um, anyway, altitude. So Garrett said, if you have two, if you have say four days and you only have four days off work, and this is huge, I believe. 
So your red blood cells um, can be produced more, obviously, at higher altitude. He would say to he would recommend to go up really high. So say you're coming to Boulder, go to Vale for two days, which is ten thousand feet. Go for two days for forty eight hours, then come down to Boulder for race day two days later or three or four days later, preferably three or four days later, and. Um, so, so, so be there for two days and then the race is two days after you get here because you will feel but you're not you're training. Doing, you're doing very there. light, very, very light yeah. stuff. You're going to have way more oxygen because you've gone high and then come low. That's a little hack to do if you have the ability to say go higher for 48 hours and come here. Um, it's huge. And, and training for 48 hours at, at, at high altitude or just getting through workouts, you don't obviously do pretty light work up that high 10,000 feet. Um, if you went down to sea level, it takes 21 days for the red blood cells to die. So you should have more oxygen for 21 days and you will feel a massive hit if you're going to go high and then race low. Um, but you have to time it right. I'm not an expert at that, but Garrett Rock, our guy for ABT blood test is, and that's some things that he sometimes recommends too. Yeah. So awesome. I think we've covered Awesome. Everything. Amazing yeah. advice there. And again, with um, so much of this guy's mindset, it's what do you tell yourself? What meaning do you give the huffing and the puffing? What meaning do you give racing in the heat? Is that meaning bringing out the best in you or is that meaning making things miserable for you? Mm -hmm. So it all starts with you. Um, love the heat. It's an incredible opportunity. Okay, so find something to love about it. Love that you're racing at altitude and how amazing that feels. Um, and just, you know, reframe it in a way that brings out the best in you, not the worst in you. Yep. Amazing. Okay, we're going to give 60 seconds for questions. And while we're waiting, I'm going to quickly jump in because um, Kenya, one of our amazing athletes of the month who just did her first 70.3. Congratulations, Kenya. And she can't hear. She did her first 70.3 after nine weeks of training on our program. She said, should I do it? And I said, well, how do you feel about it? She basically wanted to do it as a training race with her partner her husband and she got through it it was amazing and we have so many newbies doing that right now so don't say you can't you can um yes, you can. And she asked about boulder course but we're talking about altitude i'll quickly go over the course siri probably knows it better than me but apparently on the map it's quite deceiving it says that there's a really a lot of climbing I'm not sure. I think maybe gradually over the course, it seems oh, like well, that. Well, same frame and hygiene mode are a well, lot of well, they Well, yeah. I would just, I wouldn't say it's a really, really, really hard course though. Yeah. I would, well, I would say that it's actually a, quite an easy course, but it's very gradual climbs. It's, it's, it's easy if you're fit and you're used to doing gradual climbs and you're strong on the hills, but they're not massive steep mountains. It's just gradual climbs. So if you're strong and staying in the bars and you've been doing the training like that, if you're on our program, you're covered. Yes, absolutely. But let's quickly talk about the swim bike run for that real quick, Siri, because it swims in the Boulder Reservoir. Right. And it's yep. probably non-wetsuit right now. The time of the year it will be probably non-wetsuit, I'd say. Probably. Given how hot it's been, it's probably non-wetsuit, but it's absolutely beautiful place to swim. Um, you will have to get in there if you can the day before and figure out what you're going to cite to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the sun is coming in your eyes most of the time, especially when you turn. Yeah, yeah. so you'll want the right goggles um, for, you know, those races where the sun's coming right into your eyes. And the bike is just, I mean, it's, you're going to love it. It's through all the most beautiful roads of Boulder. You go right by our ranch. Um, yep. But the climbs are like big, long, you know, I wouldn't say they're real steep. They're gradual steep. Some of them are peak at the end, but I yeah. wouldn't say it's extremely hard. Bike no, course. God, it's, it's not like climbing the Rocky Mountains. No, so if that's not, what you're imagining, that's not what it is. It's just long, gradual climbs. Some that have like there's a lot of the flat. Top. There's a lot of super flat, yeah. and a lot of nice long downhills as well. So I think you're run, gonna love it. 
The run's um, epic. The run's amazing. It's on dirt trails the whole way. It's so good dirt on the legs. Basically, the amazing. whole way around the reservoir. Um, same thing though. Hills. Before mm. you race, if you can find some dirt trails or sure. gravel trails, because yeah. it's actually quite gravelly. Yeah. Um, it's you know, especially if you train on gravel or dirt trails, you're going to strengthen your tendons and ligaments, your lower leg strength. That's going to be really, really good for you. It will benefit you for any run. Um, but this run, a lot of it is on dirt roads and gravel. So you want to have that strength and you need to be okay with the fact that you're not going to feel as fast running on gravel as you do on this perfectly paved road. So well, I felt fast. Get excited. I oh, you had one of the fastest <laughs> runs, I think, ever on I that I think course. I still might hold. I think someone might have got me. I was 121, I think, or 120. Someone got me, though. I think Jeannie might have I think it might have been, been Jeannie. <laughs> might have been little Jeannie. Um, so, yeah, uh, but it's such an amazing course. And Beck and I both, I mean, we don't run anything but trails because mm. it's just so beautiful. The scenery for Boulder 70.3 is out of control gorgeous, and I think you're just uh, going to love it. So it's a race that everyone should have on their bucket list. The keys, you know, you've got to stay hydrated. You've got to fuel um, as long you as you do those in, things. In summer, yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely the salt. As long as Quick you tip on the salt, guys. Salt your food. Um, yeah. people worry, like do they tip on electrolyte all the time? And that's not great either. If you're not actually sweating a lot, but salt your food, just salt your food, Himalayan pixie salt, organic salt, your food for the whole week. We should really be salting our food anyway. Um, unless for some reason you have high cholesterol, but as athletes training for two, five, six hours a day, um, salt your food and definitely salt your food going into a race. I think it's even more important almost than having the electrolyte. Cause you're not always sweating a lot going into your taper because you're not doing mm. a high, high intensity or long sessions, but salt your food. Um, and with that, every race morning, you guys, the goal is to have clear pee, clear pee race morning. And that may mean that you get up a lot to, to go to the bathroom the night before the race. It doesn't matter how much you sleep the night before you could have no sleep and you'll still crush it. Just believe that. And know but leading that. up to that, you want to have good sleep. But you <laughs> want to have clear pee before the race starts to set yourself up you know, for your best day. So we're going to answer two questions out of these. So Jessica, hello, Jessica McKelson. Nice to meet you. What are the hardest temperatures you've raced in? You can go first real quick. Ooh, I would Cancun. say Cancun, Mexico, which anyone who's been to Cancun, Mexico knows that it's like sky high humidity and it was like a hundred and something degrees. And the second one would be Tijuavaros, oh, Hungary, which was like, again, sky high. Whenever you have both the humidity and the heat, um, it's brutal. I know but which one you did good in Tijuavaros. I, I know did. Which, yeah. I know which one. New York. Oh, my God. Iron Man was hotter than Kona. It was 110, I think, and close to 90% humidity. I do not know how I got through that race. But that's what I'm saying. You guys, she is the queen at hydra well, hydration, nutrition, for Ironman but... with the salt. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was like a uh, complete heat exhaustion just watching her. <laughs> she had the most brilliant race. She came in second. I was never been so proud of you, Beck, because... Mm -hmm. They North American swam. champs, it was. I got second to Mary Beth Ellis. Yeah. North American champs, you guys. And they had had I a sewage spill oh. the night or like middle of the night before the race. They still put the race on a sewage spill. Yeah. They dove in the water. You could literally see People the sewage. People were throwing up all during the run because I was so sick. After the race, she comes in second. 
Um, let's I was not talk about I've never, that. Let's not talk about that. But I've never experienced such a hot race in my entire life. It's and I've dangerous. Been to 10 I don't recommend it, you it guys, especially crazy. if you know, like if you go out in the heat of the day and you've got friends and they're like, that oh, doesn't feel too bad. If you go out and you're like, I feel really freaking hot. If you're one of those people that feels hot on a hot day and your friends, you talk, oh, it's not so bad. Don't do a hot race because it's really not going to suit you. Like I really, if you have a choice of all the races and you just know that it's a struggle for you, I just would recommend honestly choosing another race. But um, I also recommend. I knew you. Were, I knew she was going to say that. I knew change the narrative. Okay, okay, we can like, go now, babe. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, you have so many choices, guys. If you, you know that you like, yeah. do a shorter race than than one in the heat. Um, and with the keto F2C stuff versus the carbs. That's something I would talk to Glenda about. And She's Amy Tony Loving in our club. So tag her. You guys, if you want to join Team Sirius Tri Club, you go to Instagram, um, Beck Keat or Siri Lindley, and there is a free month right now for Team Sirius yeah. Tri Club. Ooh. And you guys get a free eight week uh, Kickstarter or starter season plan, a PDF or in Training Peaks. You get up to 60% off products like F2C. Um, Quintana Roo, Rudy Project, Norma Tech, Hyper Ice, Bont Cycling Shoes. Um, God, what have I missed, Siri? So many amazing discounts. Oh, amazing. You're getting discounts. Amazing like, friends. You would get more discounts some, than some of the pros you're getting, right? Yeah. Some of the pros. So it's so worth it, you guys, and it's 37 bucks to join. So absolutely worth it. The program itself that you get for free is like $99. So it's worth more than that. And, the guys, money. the programs are like our life's work. I mean, I remember when we first started Team Series Tri Club, I sat down and took all the programs of like my top pros that won medals in the Olympics, that she won just world gave championships, all key workouts. and I put it in a all year. into these workouts. I spent months and months and it took months about a year to get together. all of them together. Now, question mm -hmm. I often get asked: Would you change the way that? No, no. Like when you find a, a, a way that works. You don't change Clearly it. Clearly, so she has the track record. This formula um, continues And don't freak out. Work. We have beginner, intermediate, yes. and advanced. And that doesn't just mean beginner as in just starting. We have like for working Beginner, people, beginner. Yeah. And we also have for working people, if you're going to do 10 to 13 hours, if you can do 16 to 18 hours, or if you can do more than 18 hours, that it's based on time as well. So we have sprint, Olympic, 70.3, Ironman, and now a marathon training plan I'm taking people through to January marathon. I'm putting my shoes on. I'm freaking nervous. <laughs> You're going to be amazing. I'm doing a marathon, but yeah, January. If you're interested in that, let me know. Just reach out to me. But we Let's have... talk how important hydration is to muscular health. A lot of pulled muscles, mm. you guys, mm. happen yes. when you are not hydrated, when you're dehydrated. So understand that it's not just about like hydration is going to keep consistent energy levels and fueling consistent energy levels, but it's also going to keep your muscles supple so that they don't cramp up and keep you from performing the way you want to. Mm -hmm. So all of this so incredibly important when we're talking about heat and conditions like that. Wifey, you truly are the master, I have to say. Um, well, I'm not good at it now because she made me fill up a whole big bottle of water. I've oh, yeah, had you one and a half today. Now. Yeah. And now I just need water is everything you guys drink. Water in training, you should be having electrolyte, especially if you're sweating a lot. But, um, yeah, I hope this served you. I hope you loved it. Um, we're here. Tag us anywhere on social if you have questions. If you'd like to join our club, we'd love to have you for the month free. And as we said, you're going to get like a couple of hundred bucks value straight away. And these are our really cool visors that we now have. If you want Amazing. one of those, you can order those too. And remember, you are what you believe you are. So going into any great challenge, if you believe that you have everything you need, which you do, to overcome that challenge, you will.
If you believe you don't, you won't. So you are what you believe you are. So choose you, believe in you. You have everything you need inside of you and go crush this incredible game of life. We love you guys. Love you guys. Thanks, babe. I love you. (laughs) Thanks, babe. Love you guys.